scarcity mindset that I had. Um, and so when I began making money, I kind of wanted to make up for those things that I didn't have growing up. You know, I wanted to have more than just two new outfits in a year, right? I wanted to explore and have options. Um, you know, I didn't want to stay at the like cheap motel. I wanted to like stay at a better place, you know, the ones with the nice pool. <laughs> so it was like, Little things like that, that had sort of, you know, as my income increased, I also... What a year 2020 was. 2021 is here and I hope you're hitting the ground running. I know we are here at Dwelling. We've just got a deal on the contract. We're going to be closing on soon. For those that have joined us on that deal, um, you know what I'm talking about. If you are saying, what am I talking about? then you need to take your investing game to the next level in this year. So make sure you join the dwelling deal list, an exclusive deal list. Um, not only do you get access to our deals quickly, but you also get tips and tricks about you know, how you can take your, your investing game to the next level this year. So if you are not on the dwelling deal list, click on the link in the show notes or just go to dwelling.com. Um, that's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com or just go to investwithola.com and just sign up, sign up, sign up, sign up. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got an incredible guest with us today, Wally Miller. Hey, Wally. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a great conversation. Yeah, I just kind of wait. Um, as we're talking just before I hit I hit, um, hit the record button, yeah. So, you know, we talk about real estate all the time, but real estate is not the majority of your portfolio, but I still think your story is um, fascinating, but I definitely want to hear it. Um, so maybe just tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and kind of what you've been up to lately, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Wally and I am a financial coach and I help high achieving professionals who feel overwhelmed by the thought of budgeting, saving and investing. Um, mainly people come to me, a lot of Gen Zers and millennials will come to me because they're like, look, I am terrified of investing. Um, can you please help me get started? And although I don't manage portfolios, I'm not a financial advisor, I help people really come up with a plan so that they feel confident uh, when it comes to managing their money. Um, so yeah, I help people balance what they want today without really sac uh, without forfeiting what they're going to need in the future. Um, so yeah, it's about financial goals, but also um, those lifestyle goals. And I started investing back in 2015, intentionally investing in 2015, right? Because I did have a 401k. I didn't know I was an investor, but I began intentionally investing in 2015, 2016. And I have since built a seven-figure portfolio. I was going to talk about that because you know, when I listen to podcasts as well, I'm like, why should I listen to this person? Like, you know, like, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? So you are a self-made millionaire, daughter of an immigrant, right? Um, so both, both some, I think I can relate to both at some level, definitely the first one, <laughs> but also I'm an immigrant myself, not a son of an immigrant. So I can relate to that. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that. I think it's kind of more of your story. I think let's kind of make you a little bit of the story before we kind of get into tactics. 
Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I'm born and raised in New York City and actually grew up in the Bronx, which is the poorest borough of the city. Um, and my family, we you know, we weren't in poverty, but we were definitely a low income family. We didn't have all of those, uh, you know, bells and whistles. We definitely only had what we needed. Um, occasionally we got what we wanted, but it was really about like at the start of the school year, you got one pair of shoes maybe one or two outfits. And that was it. That was going to last you for the whole year. Um, and talk conversations about money just didn't happen. Um, mainly what I learned about money was indirectly. It wasn't my parents teaching me how to invest or teaching me how to even balance a checkbook. It was conversations that I overheard about bills needing to be paid about, uh, the light being, possibly turned off about past due bills. So it was a lot of, um, you know, it, there was a lot of scarcity in our family. Um, you know, again, my, my, we were a low income family. My dad was the only person who worked and there was five children, two adults. Right. Um, and so there was a lot of us. And of course, again, living in New York city, it's quite expensive. So it wasn't until, um, I was in my 30s, really, where I decided that what I was doing wasn't enough. And just to kind of back up a little bit, I always thought I was good with money. And my definition of good was with money was that I was able to get a pretty good paying job. I was able to pay my bills and then I had money left over. So I put a little bit of money aside in the savings account and I spent the rest. But I had no intention. There was no intention with how I spent money. Uh, you know, my definition again was I didn't have credit card debt. <laughs> so because I didn't have credit card debt, that meant that I was good with money, not realizing that I was missing a very key component, and that was wealth building. You were saying basically you didn't have credit card debt, so that meant that you were doing great. So what is the opposite of that? What are you, are you saying we should have some credit card debt or no credit card debt? Actually, I want to be explicit. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I think it's quite interesting to touch on that. I want to hear your, your yeah. opinion. Yeah. In my mind, because I didn't have any credit card debt, I thought I was doing fantastic with money. I said, I stayed out of credit card debt. I'm good with money. What sometimes happens is people will outspend what they earn, right? So they're living above their means, if they make $30,000 a year, they're spending 45, or if they make $100,000 a year, they're spending 150,000, right? So I was not spending more than I made. But once my bills were paid off, I was basically spending every single dollar with very, very little going into saving or wealth building investing. So one of the, the problems with credit card debt in particular is that the interest rates are so high, right? So we're not talking about, oh, a loan of 2%. We're talking about 15, 20, 25% APR which really is costing people 
so much of their, their, their paychecks, right? So you think that you're making a dent to a, a, a credit card bill or to some t- type of debt, not realizing the, the power of compound interest. And now, of course, I knew that paying interest was definitely something you wanted to try to avoid, but I also didn't know the positive side of compound interest and how you could have compound interest working for you. Um, so I am definitely not one of those people who think that, you know, um, it's like good debt or bad debt, but I do think that there's some type of debt that is productive debt, right? There's some debt that you can use. And of course you talk about this all the time (laughs) as a real estate show about using debt, leveraging that debt in order to build wealth. But if you are just paying more interest, right, if you're using debt to pay off a decision you made six months ago of going on vacation or spending a little bit too much on dining out, that is a problem. So that that's kind of my philosophy on on credit card debt in particular. Okay, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. So we talk about generational wealth, right? And you mentioned, you know, um, your first generation in your family to, to go to college. And then obviously you, you're doing pretty well. And now, you, obviously, I'm guessing for those after you, you want them to do a little bit better, um, if not a ton better. So how do we, especially, you know, people that look like us, how, how do we build that generational wealth and pass that on to, to our kids and, and our grandkids? So can you kind of just talk about that? How do we invest? How do we build that generational wealth? Yeah, the first thing I had to do was define what wealth meant to me. You know, I talked about in my family, we really didn't have conversations around money. And that term wealth wasn't even a part of my vocabulary. We didn't talk about wealth and I didn't really know what that meant. What I thought it meant was you had to be rich and you had to have, you know, six beach houses, you know, four luxury cars, you know, a closet full of luxury handbags. And I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't an actor. I wasn't a singer. I wasn't an artist. So in my mind, I was never going to be rich. I was never going to be wealthy. And so I took the first thing that I did was really define what being wealthy meant. And it was more than just financial security, right? Because I had come to a place where I felt financially secure somewhat, right? As long as I continued to work, I had a paycheck. But really what happened was that I realized that because essentially I was living paycheck to paycheck because I was spending every single cent, (laughs) every single dollar that I earned, I was not in a better place than most people. If one or two paychecks went, you know, skipped, right? If I skipped one or two paychecks, I knew that I was going to lose something. And one of the realizations that I had when that happened was, I don't remember what triggered it, if it was an age or the length of time that worked, but here in the United States, if you have, um, you, you receive a social security earnings income report, right? After I think it's maybe a decade of working. And I remember seeing how much money I had made over the course of a decade. And this had like, my first job from when I was 14 years old, all the way to, you know, I I was 24, 25 years old. And I counted, you know, I added up 
how much money I had made over my lifetime. And I realized like, what in the world did I do with my money? I didn't feel like what was being told to me of how much money I made reflected how much money I really had. And that was the problem, right? So I was like, wait a minute, something is not calculating here. Um, And to go back to the initial question, you know, once you really figure out what your lifestyle goals are, right? I I wanted to be more than just financially secure, right? It wasn't just about paying bills. I wanted to make sure that my spending habits reflected what I valued most. And what I valued most at that time was a closet full of shoes (laughs) and clothes. And it was just like, wait a minute, like there's so much more, you know, there's so much more. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not worried that if I lost my job, if I got fired or whatever the case might be, that I was going to be living, you know, that I was going to lose everything that I had worked for. And so that was sort of my aha moment. And when I began to really uncover what wealth meant to me, yes, it meant feeling financially secure, but also financially thriving right? Going beyond that. Um, I wanted to feel that if I wanted to make a purchase that I could, that if I wanted to travel that I could, that if I wanted to help a sibling, a a parent, a niece, a nephew with um, obtaining some of the things that they wanted, not only in material things, but even just in their goals and dreams, I wanted to make sure that that helped happen. And as you mentioned, I'm not only, you know, daughter of an immigrant, not only first generation college graduate, not only first, uh, you know, first millionaire in my family, but I'm also the oldest. And I felt like I needed to make sure that my parents were going to be taken care of. And I also wanted to leave a legacy behind. I don't have children of my own, but I wanted to, you know, I have 10 nieces and nephews. I remember I said, I'm one of five. So I have a big family. I have 10 nieces and nephews. And I remember the struggle that it was going to college um, and having to work two jobs, right? There were a lot of extracurricular activities and groups and clubs that I couldn't be a part of because I had to pay my way through college. And even with that, I did. I still had to take out student loans. Thankfully, not as much as most people, but still I had about $20,000 in student loans that I had to take out even with two jobs. And so I wanted to see if there was a way that I could build wealth, not just for me, right? To go beyond that financial security, right? And financial stability to really go to financially thriving. But what are some of the things that I could put into place so that the next generation could also uh, benefit from those things? Fascinating. So I think um, for a ton of us, a lot of us actually, we just have this, you know, kind of like a weird relationship with money, and I, I think yours kind of stems from just having that self-awareness of what do I think of money? How do I see money, right? You mentioned about, you know, rate, being rich or perceived as rich and being wealthy, right? And we all grew up, I'm, you know, I'm an 80s baby. We watched, you know, um, rap videos and we, you know, we think, you know, somebody with a Bentley and a big house, like we have this kind of misconception of what we think money is or wealth is or, or, or being rich is. So I think that's number one, which is really fascinating just to have that self-awareness. Um, so I think for those listening though, like how do we kind of change our relationship with, with money? Like how we see money or how we kind of treat money? 
Love this question. You know, as a financial coach, my clients will come to me because they want to reach a milestone, right? They will want to get out of debt. They want to, you know, have a healthy savings account. They want to begin wealth building. And those are great things, great milestones to achieve. But so much of financial coaching has to deal with the mindset over the mechanics, right? The mechanics is simple. It's easy. It's a simple equation, you know, (laughs) spend less than you earn, invest the difference, right? That is the key to wealth building. But getting over that mindset can take a little bit a longer time. And one of the things is first we, when we, when we talk about money mindset can sound a little like woo woo, right? (laughs) Like money mindset, but essentially it's your relationship with money. It's your habits with money. You know, I remember, um, if somebody would have told me you're going to be wealthy, it wouldn't have sat right with me. Like what? No, that's impossible. Right? Like, no, that's not true. And so, you know, uh, making sure that I define what wealth meant to me, but also got comfortable with that idea of wealth, that yes, it meant a wealth, you know, a healthy body, and it meant healthy relationships, and it meant, you know, a fulfilled life and a full life. But it also meant, you know, having the money to be able to not only, again, feel financially secure, but also help those people around me. And so, you know, when we talk about mindset, it's really sort of uncovering the things that we learn directly from maybe our parents or the environment that we grew up. Sometimes, you know, you might learn directly things directly from them, but also the things that we learn indirectly from them. Right. I I mentioned we didn't really have conversations around money. But there were things that I picked up, right? Words like money doesn't grow on trees and no, we don't have money for that. Or, you know, you have to be satisfied with what you have, you know? So there was like this kind of scarcity mindset that I had. Um, And so when I began making money, I kind of wanted to make up for those things that I didn't have growing up, you know? I wanted to have more than just two new outfits in a year, right? I wanted to explore and have options. Um, You know, I didn't want to stay at the like, cheap motel. I wanted to like stay at a better place, you know, the ones with the nice pool. (laughs) So it was like little things like that, that had sort of, you know, as my income increased, I also began to inflate my lifestyle, you know, so we sometimes hear the term lifestyle creep or lifestyle inflation. And that's generally what happens. And so I, at that point was making more money than I had ever made. Yet I didn't really have a whole lot to show for it. It wasn't really reflecting that. And I think a lot of us get into that situation, right? We're probably making more money today than we were a year, two, three years ago. Yet if you find yourself in that cycle of, I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, it still feels like I need to make more money and like I don't have enough and you don't feel that financial peace, then the, the, you know I would say that Take a look to see what your relationship with money is. What do you really um, spend your, your, your money on? And there's no judgment here, right? No one can define how, Ola, you spend money, whether or not you purchase this or that. <clears throat> or the same thing for me. There's probably some things that I uh, use money for or spend money on that people are like, I would never spend money on that, right? So it's not about defining that, but it's about really making sure that when you look at your debit card, your credit card transactions, and you have that up for the last month or maybe two months, 
is your spending being reflected on the things that you will the things that you value the most this is so fascinating i took so many notes uh, mindset of a mechanics lifestyle creep or inflation financial peace um this these are like really good um really good terms actually because my next question was going to be what does a financial coach do but you've you've kind of just um just dismantled that question um so you know kind of to to end what is that one single thing that you've done that you think has got you to the seven figure level and then we kind of go to the quick rounds yeah, absolutely. So the first thing is like really define what wealth means to you and then figure out how you can achieve that. As I mentioned, I knew how to spend money and in some ways I knew how to save money, but because I hadn't, I wasn't intentional with the way I was saving. Cause I think it doesn't matter where in the world you live. We all know that you want to put some money aside, some resources aside for the future. But if you don't have a goal attached to it, it can seem kind of nebulous. I'm saving for what? Why are you saving? And so really attaching goals to that is important. And the same thing for building wealth. Like, why did I want to build wealth, right? Was it just so that I could say that I'm wealthy? No, for me, it was because I wanted to um, do a couple things. One was I wanted to be work optional. I didn't want to have to be tied to a job for the next 20, 30, 40 years. I, didn't, I couldn't imagine that. And this is coming from somebody who actually found a lot of fulfillment from my corporate job, right? It was very challenging and I, I really enjoyed it. But I knew that at the age of 50 or 60 or 65, that waiting that long to retire just didn't really flow well with me. So I wanted to have the option for financial independence and freedom. And so also, even when we talk about investing, you speak a lot about real estate investing, and I also have some real estate, um, but there's other ways of investing, right? So there's real estate, you can invest in stocks, and I'm going to include the stock market, you know, not only, you know, the, the stock market, but even like cryptocurrency and things like that, but also investing in entrepreneurship and businesses, right? And so really identifying the type of investor you want to be. And although I do have real estate, I have to say, I'm a little bit of a lazy investor and I prefer the stock market. I don't have six or seven computers. I'm not watching charts all the time. This is not about day trading. This is not about swing trading. This is about making one decision about the my uh, investing philosophy and then letting it ride. Um, you know, I prefer a passive approach to investing. And some people will say that's the slow method of investing. Okay, you might call that a slow method. But in my case, and because the stock market has been doing phenomenally well, you know, in the last several years, like I feel pretty confident with what my plan is. So really define what wealth is, decide what type of investing asset you want to invest in. So whether that's real estate, the stock market businesses, maybe a little bit of all, and then the type of investor you want to be. Do you want to have a more active approach or a more passive approach? I know you asked for one thing, but I feel like those are probably the, the, the three things that people should really think about. And even as I say that, you may not know the type of investor you want to be or the type of asset you want to have. So sort of, you know, um, sitting down and really thinking about, you know, your personality and your goals. 
No, I love it. Thank you so much for that. I mean, we can keep going on and on. Actually, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this interview. I've learned so much myself, um, you know, so I really, really enjoy it. But we'll definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, Ma? I'm ready. All right. First question. What makes you Wally different? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next girl or the next guy? I'm a money nerd and love to talk about investing. I can tell. <laughs> Second <laughs> question. Um, what was the last book that you read? And what was the one thing that you picked up of that book? Uh, so I just reread one of my favorite investing books, and it's called uh, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. It was actually the first book that I read that really helped me to understand investing and i read it just recently i read the whole thing again um so yeah that investing doesn't have to be complicated love it final question you've got 10 nieces and nephew you're busy you're a financial coach i'm sure you're, you're you're really busy what do you do for fun Oh, wow. So I love to travel. Um, obviously, the pandemic definitely put that <laughs> um, put that on pause. But uh, this year, I tried to do as much traveling as possible, even if that just meant taking some road trips. So I love to explore, eat different foods. Traveling is definitely something I like to do for fun. I can definitely relate to that. So if there's somebody listening, thinking, wow, I really like everything you're saying. I want to get connected with you know, Wally. What's the best place people can reach out, get to know you more, get connected with you? Absolutely. I can be found at financiallythriving.com. Um, I'm also pretty active on social media, on Instagram. So I'm at financially underscore thriving. So financiallythriving.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wally. Really appreciate talking to you. Lent to Tom myself. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ola. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.